What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Badlands Podcast. The other podcast out there that is 100% chiseled and is proudly part of the Chair Shop Media Group. I am Mags, and with me for the second time this week, it's like we've only just recorded yesterday, Paul. Uh, it's my podcast wife, Mr. Paul Talley. Paul, how are you, sir? You're so lucky, aren't you? I know. <laughs> you like buses. I don't see you for months on end, and then all of a sudden you like turn up twice a week. Don't get the reference, but thank you very much. <laughs> you don't get the reference of buses. Oh, buses. I thought you said butters. What, butters like the character from South Park? Yeah, yeah. And I thought, I don't watch South Park, so um, so I don't get it, but I'll go along with it. Yeah, I am like a bus. <laughs> lockdown, lockdown will do that to you. Well, you can't travel on them anymore, so unless it's essential. <laughs> this podcast is essential. It certainly is. Yeah. Definitely. We, we should all get furloughed because of this podcast. <laughs> we should get paid because of this podcast. Well, maybe one day, sir. Maybe one day. Anyway, let's uh, introduce uh, today's guest. He's uh, uh, one of the, the hottest uh, podcasters to come out over the last few months. Uh, someone who... Um, Got the podcasting bug bar being a guest on this very show not too long ago, uh, Mr. Simon Powell. Simon, how are you? I'm very, very good, thanks, Max. How are you two doing, all right? Yeah, not too bad. Excited for, for this show. Yeah, yeah thank you for uh, inviting me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, sorry I missed you last time. Yeah, no worries, no worries. It's nice to meet you at last. And you, and you. So I, I mentioned there, Simon, that you uh, you got bitten by the podcast bug uh, if there's anybody who, who kind of hasn't uh, heard of your content, uh, tell us a little bit about it and uh, tell us uh, how it got started and, and kind of what's the idea behind uh, your podcast. Yeah, sure. Um, as you mentioned, it kind of I, I kind of got bitten by the bug by speaking with your good self um, on Badlands and uh, why we watch. Uh, well, quite a while ago now, wasn't it? 
Mm, yeah. um, really enjoyed it, and a few other people asked me to pop on theirs and talk about old events and so on. And I, I just love talking wrestling. I just, I just really enjoy talking wrestling, especially when you're sort of looking, looking back on old shows that are more sort of my era, I guess. Um, it's something that I, I, I wrote about. It's stuff I enjoy talking about more so, really, than what I see, especially from the WWE on television now. Um, so yeah, I mean, after speaking with yourself and um, my my better half, sort of saying that I she thinks I'd be very good at it as well. Um, eventually, sort of took the plunge. It took a little while to set up, and I had a few trial runs and wanted to make sure it was. <laughs> It wanted to make sure it was as good as it possibly could be before I started actually putting it out there. I kind, I kind of get, I think I kind of sometimes stress out over small things that aren't important, but ultimately that kind of delayed the whole process a little while. But yeah, now now I'm on the uh, episode twelve came out today, um, and effectively I, I I try and talk to um, independent wrestlers. Uh, I mean today, for example, I've I've got an interview out with Joel Redman who was um, one of the one half of the first NXT tag team champions. He's been out and wrestled for all Japan and so on. That's a brilliant story about how he's, he grew up on a farm and built his own ring out of hay, hay barrels and stuff like and so on. And, uh, and then that, that, that's sort of half of the half of the format I do. The other half is looking back on old shows, looking back on careers of old wrestlers. I mean, Mags, you've been on a couple of times yourself. Well, you were the very first guest. I think the only... The only three-time guests so far. So, um, this, we dis- we discussed the Legion of Doom, didn't we? And we discussed um, mm-hmm. Hell in a Cell matches, and and um, I've I've got a show coming up very soon about the Raw Rumble nineteen ninety two event, and it's just it's just nice to be talking wrestling with people who who like to converse on that subject. I mean, I, I talk to my wife a great deal about it, but I think a lot of the time she gets she gets bored of my ramblings, and that's maybe why she sort of pushed me in that direction. But bless her, I'm really glad she did. So she gets what my wife gets the glassy eyes is like, yeah, I'll pretend I'm listening, but yeah, I'm thinking about something else. Ah, well, I'm, Sharon, Sharon, my wife, she's she's a wrestling fan herself, um, very much into. You know, various different wrestlers, various different um, matches and events and so on. But when I'm talking to her about War Games 92 and telling her the same story for like the 10th time, then, yeah, I think it's it's better that I speak to uh, to new people such as you gentlemen than bore her. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I certainly am glad that you you took the plunge in and it's been an honour to be on your show. Uh, still waiting for uh, Mr. Tully to make his... Uh, is a SJP wrestling pod appearance. I'm, hey, I'm working. Hard, I'm working hard as his agent. He uh, he, he, he farts against me. Uh, he don't really like the fact that I'm his agent, but uh, I am trying to <laughs> trying to get him gigs. <laughs> you hey, no worries. Hey, you always pimping me out. What I enjoy doing as well is um, looking at older shows, um, sometimes through through the eyes of someone who hasn't seen them before. Um, so we've got. I've got a couple of people who who are in the states who haven't really seen a great deal of WCW. I mean, Mags, you mentioned yourself; you haven't seen a great deal of certain WCW events. Um, a, a young lad called Comrade, who's got his own his own podcast and so on, and he does one with you as well, doesn't he, Mags? On a yeah. on a Sunday night, talk at the table. We we love young Conrad. We yeah. love young Conrad on this show. Yeah, he's he been on a few weeks and, ago, isn't he? he? He's been on and looked at um, WrestleMania Five and an old Clash of the Champions event with me. Um, so it's it's great. Looking at events that I've seen, and obviously I, I kind of have, I suppose, my opinions and thoughts already made up about them. 
they're seeing it through you know sometimes these events are 30 years old and seeing it through the eyes of someone who's not seen them before that i find really fascinating so and yeah that's yeah well the SJP we had, we had that with the, uh, <laughs> yeah we had that with uh, the the war games episode. I hadn't yes. seen a lot of the war games episode, and it was kind of like a, a lesson in that. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, uh, a Vince McMahon retrospective would be perfect for Paul because he he doesn't know what a Vince McMahon is. <laughs> I was having a bad day. <laughs> is that so? <laughs> so I quite like content. the idea of looking at uh, looking at um, kind of old pay per views, like, like say from. Through the viewpoint of people who haven't seen it as well, we've got one coming up with um, that '90s wrestling podcast, looking mm-hmm. at WrestleMania Seven, and that's not that's a, I've seen the main event of WrestleMania Seven, but not the rest of it. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Oh, there's some there's some really good stuff on there. Um, Warrior Savage is great, and but there's also some dross on there. So it's quite an up and down show. But yeah, it, it's it's quite an eventful pay per view to look at. So yeah, you'll enjoy that. Excellent. He's, he's just glad that that boss bands on it. That's all they were bothered about. That's that's what sold it. So, <laughs> that's what makes a WrestleMania for me. Like, Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> so that, in fact, that that's your topic for a Paul Tully episode: the the laughing times of boss man. Hey, we'll figure that out, shall we? We'll sort that out. We'll, I would we'll, love we'll that. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So let's uh, let's get into this episode then, Gaza. So, Simon, you've been on the on the show before, so we we know your Mount Rushmore, the greatest wrestler of all time. They've already been uh, uh, calculated and added to the the, the collated list. Uh, so, what we thought uh, we'd come up with, and because we've we've recently done a show on your podcast about uh, about one of my favourite tag teams, the Legion of Doom, I thought it'd be interesting to 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 get your Mount Rushmore tag teams. Uh, yeah, and Paul will, uh, will chip in. Uh, just basically, who are you for, and a little bit of reason why each one. Uh, kind of makes the cup. Yeah, sure. Um, okay, I mean, in in no real particular order, they're very difficult to to sort of divide them up in a, into a top four. But I mean, when you said about um, my own favourite tag teams, my mind instantly straight away um, went to two main ones, and the first would obviously be the Road Warriors. After our extensive discussion on on the SJP Wrestling Pod, um, I don't think you can go wrong with the Road Warriors. Great stuff in the WWF, great stuff in Jim Crockett, uh, the NWA. If you catch their stuff out in Japan, the sort of strong style, I suppose, as it's referred to now, that they they perhaps coined before it was even strong style, with their sort of very stiff <laughs> stiff clotheslines and punches and moves they pulled off. Um, I, I think the Road Warriors are... They're, they're as perfect a tag team, especially for that sort of late 80s, early 90s, as you can possibly get. Um, the uh, the hawk was probably the more charismatic of the two, animal quite the powerhouse. But yeah, it was a great, a great combination. And I just think that they they really stand out as when you're talking about tag teams, you can't you can't ignore them. I think they really stand out. Yeah, um, I am a hundred percent behind you. They're on my list. Uh, but uh, who, which of the teams made made the cut for you, sir? Um, the second team that was very difficult to decide upon, but you know which one sort of came first for me. Um, would be, I suppose, for very similar reasons, uh, would be the Steiner brothers, uh, Rick and Scott. I'm a huge fan of Scott Steiner anyway. Uh, I like the whole big Papa Pump character in his later years, but the Steiner brothers themselves, the, similar to the Road Warriors, the first time I saw them was in the early 90s WWF run they had, which was very short. They went back down south, for want of a better term, quite quite soon after that. Um, it's more so as I got older, I started seeing more of the Steiner Brothers work in WCW and then in Japan. 
and then with Japanese wrestlers in WCW, for example, I mentioned War Games 92 earlier on, before the War Games match itself, there's a Steiner Brothers tag match there that gets forgotten about sometimes, with two imports from New Japan that is hard-hitting and fantastic, a great tag match. The Steiner Brothers, for me, for all the reasons I picked the Road Warriors, I think the Steiner Brothers tick a lot of those same boxes. Mm-hmm. And again, another one I've got on man, and I think the reason I went with the Steiner Brothers on Malice is how um, innovative they were as wrestlers. Mm. Uh, especially Scott, the, the the amount of moves that he kind of uh, invented was absolutely unreal. Uh, but yeah, uh, who's your your third pick? Um, this is where I started getting quite tricky. I mean, I, I initially sent you a message when you said about doing this topic and said, "I know, I know, the Mount Rushmore is is four by by definition." Um, can I have nine? And you point blank said no. So, <laughs> this, is, this is where, after the sign of the Road Warriors, it starts to get a little bit difficult because I find it difficult to separate a lot of these teams. Um, but one I think that I can't ignore purely because of the influence they've had on modern wrestling as well as being fantastic back in the day, um, I think you've got to look at um, Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson as being one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Even though... I mean, they were effectively done and dusted by, what are we thinking, 89, effectively, weren't they? Because uh, Tully failing a drugs test when Arn um, was going back to, down south to WCW or Jim Crockett Promotions, it might have been back then. I, I can't remember the timeline exactly. But the, the work they did in the mid-80s, the Territory days, their work as part of the Four Horsemen, um, being involved in the attacks on Luger and Sting and all, all all this sort of stuff, but then the in-ring standard as well was was superb. They run as the Brainbusters um, with the WWF from I think it was '88 through to '89. They were there again. The timeline I'll have to check, but um, and the matches they had with the Heart Foundation, the Rockers, and so on. I mean those those teams there, Heart Foundation and Rockers, absolutely fantastic themselves they kept up their end of the bargain but Tully and Arn I think are absolutely real wrestlers to me they that, that that's real in my head that's real wrestling that sort of old school style and you can see a lot of it now with how they've influenced FTR and so on so yeah they're they're very high up on my list yeah and and, and they still uh like I said they, they've influenced FTR but they they're still working now in one of the hottest companies in the world in in AW so yeah mm-hmm. they're kind of a their influence on the tag team uh, wrestling world just cannot be denied. So it's a great pick. Uh, which of the 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 many many uh, tag teams on your list makes that final spot? Okay, um, there's a few that sort of oh, I think deserve honourable quick mentions. I mean, I, I'm a huge Shawn Michaels fan, but the first time I saw Shawn was in the Rockers, and it was very very much towards the end of their run. But the dual super kicks, the dual nip ups, the the, the, the punches off the top rope at the same time i thought these guys were superb you can see a lot in what they do in the young bucks with the way that they do a lot of dual moves and so on and uh, you know the bucks in my household are adored my youngest daughter thinks they are wonderful so uh, and i suppose by proxy i pick up on a little bit of that adoration myself um the rock and roll express as well absolutely superb again similar i suppose to the rockers and the bucks smaller guys a lot of aerial moves but it's the other side of the Rock and Roll Express coin, I suppose, that I go for with my final pick, and that would be the Midnight Express, their long-term rivals. Um, again, the same as Tully and Arn, fantastic in the ring, fantastic ability, heat, 
just off the charts. Absolutely. When, when you're having to carry weapons to the ring just to be able to get back out, and there's talks of Jim Cornette. Yes, okay, he's a little bit crazy, but there's talks of Jim Cornette carrying weapons or even guns in his car because of the heat the Midnight Express drew. Um, and then you see the standard of uh, the standard of the wrestling themselves, their, their matches with the rock and roll, their matches with uh, the Samoans and, and all sorts from that 80s era. The Midnight Express to me make up that, that top four. But it's incredibly difficult for me to, to split that four from numerous servers. I mean, th- I suppose that's the, the point of uh, a Matt Rushmore is that one day you can you can totally change man, and it's it's how you kind of wake up to to which one will be your favourite, some which one won't. But yeah, they they are four outstanding tag teams, um, and I can't have a lot of argument with them. But I've gone the slightly different route for man. Um, LOD and the standards, obviously, we've we've mentioned. Uh, I could wax lyrical about LOD all the live long day, and if you want to hear that, uh, definitely go to the uh, the SJP uh, archives and then and check that out because. Uh, that was literally a love letter to the the Legion of Doom from uh, from me and Simon. Uh, the other ones I've gone for, I've gone with the Dudleys. Uh, uh, I think yeah. that everywhere that they have been, they have been world champions. A total of twenty major world titles. Uh, Ten with the WWF, two with TNA, um, or two with uh, New Japan, and and then eight with ECW. We saw more than actually twenty, but then uh, so many different kind of regional uh, championships. Both of them uh, had single success as well, and and yeah, they just were so. It was just a sign of the times that, that of how good they were and the kind of like the influence they had. And then my last pick, I went with uh, with the hardest. I think that. Uh, both Matt and Jeff are some of the most innovative wrestlers that uh, I've ever seen. Again, uh, nine WWF uh, tag team titles. They've won uh, titles in Ring of Honor, TNA. Both of them have won multiple uh, singles titles. Both still relevant now. Wrestling still 20-plus years on. Uh, so, yeah, I've gone with LOD, the Dudleys, the Hardys, and the Steiner Brothers. Good choices. Uh, you've covered you've covered most of mine. I've I went slightly different again. I went for um, kind of the the four decades of my life to um, pick one from each decade. So the one you one you didn't get of mine was the New Day. Um, cheating a bit, they're not strictly a tag team, are they? They're a trio, but they've been tag team champions for pretty much a decade, mm-hmm. um, and at times kept that division in WWE alive. Um, their feuds with the the Usos that's kind of an on and off feud with them over the years has been fantastic to watch. And I just find them really entertaining. They're one of my favorite things to watch on WWE and, and, and still are to this day. Um, then go back into their two thousands. You've already picked them. It's the Hardys. Um, Cause they were for a long time, the most exciting part of the show for, for me. I love what I love watching them. Obviously the, the TLC matches were just phenomenal. And felt like they were just breaking new ground with with the Dudleys and Agent Christian at the time. Nineties uh, again, you've already waxed lyrical about them. Legion of Doom. They can't they can't not be on the Mount Rushmore of best ever tag teams. And uh, and I went opposite the Simon f- from the eighties. I went I went went for the Rock and Roll Express. Um, yeah, just because their influence, you can't argue with their influence for yeah. the years. You know, you see a lot of. Like you said, but mentioned with the Young Bucks, the Young Bucks draw heavily from them to this day. And the Rock and Roll Express themselves are still drawing cards. Well, in, I don't even know what age they are, but um, 
<laughs> still sixties well, on now, isn't it? It must be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Still immensely popular on any show they yeah. appear on. So, so they might. Could I throw one very quick honourable mention in again before? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, on. Um, and this one's probably a little bit controversial because I suppose it's two single stars put together and it's a very short run. But I think uh, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, the work they've done in AEW since teaming up and being tag team champions, needs a mention, even though it has been a very short run in comparison to the likes of the Midnights, the Rock and Roll, and, and so on. Um, the match with the Bucks and the match they had with FTR, I've seen so many people online refer to it as, or refer to those matches as the greatest tag matches of all time, especially the match they had with the Bucks. And if you've got, in such a short run, numerous people calling two of your matches the greatest of all time, however biased they may well be towards that particular company, I think that needs a little mention as well, because I mean, I've not seen a bad match with those guys in it. So No. Um, if If... If they could have had the longevity, uh, I think they could have easily been pushing for uh, a place on the Mount Rushmore because, they, like I said, they work together so, so well. They've got great chemistry. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, a very good honourable pick. Yep, definitely. I mean, I get, talking about two people thrown together and, and again, bit, a bit of a short tenure, I, I was really considering Jericho and Benoit because really? uh, okay, yeah. them as a tag team um, during I, what was it, 2000, 2001, I think it was. Uh, I thought they were. They had just outstanding matches in that mm. short time they were together. Yeah. So, um, you can, I mean, there's been so many kind of like thrown together tag teams that that have really, really worked well. I mean, you look at like uh, the Miz and Morrison thrown together, Jericho and the Big Show. Um, Jericho's been in a lot, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, even like Kane and the Undertaker. Uh, for for that short spell in 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 the invasion angle that we're going to be looking at, uh, yeah. yeah, they were so so dominant. Yeah, uh, I really so, like yeah. um, I like Sheamus and Cesaro as well. I, oh, I yeah, love the bar. Yeah, yeah, the the bar were really really. I'm I'm surprised I didn't actually even mention Booker T and Goldust. Yes, because they <laughs> yeah. were amazing. It's your boy Rez, aka Ray Cash from the Outsiders Edge. I'm here with my brother Kyle, and we just want to shout out. The Badlands Podcast. Check it out. The Mount Rushmore of podcasting. You have Darren, Mags, you have Paul Tolly. Check them out. Share Shot Radio Network. Come out every week. Give them a listen. Check them out. They're a great show, y'all. If you haven't heard them before, it's a lot of fun. It's an awesome show. We're big fans here at The Edge. And check out all the other shows here at The Chair Shot where you can always use your head. And if you don't like that, we don't give up. Book. Thanks for listening. But I've I've alluded to this uh this main topic um the invasion angle. Oh, universally derided as one of the 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 biggest kind of uh, missed opportunities in in wrestling. Um, but I've I've always felt that whilst yeah, it could have been so much more if. if WWE were able to get the the big players to 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 jump over. I still feel that there were quite a few wrestlers who who really give it their all and and like uh, came out of that angle looking better than they went in. So I thought we'd uh, we'd cover the uh, the stars of the invasion angle, kind of like put a little bit of a positive spin on it. Um, so let's go to you, Simon. First, uh, what's your first pick on your Mount Rushmore of the of the stars of the invasion angle? The stars of the invasion angle. Okay, uh, for me personally, I, I 
I understand the invasion angle gets a lot of criticism because of what it could have been and so on. Um, I actually didn't find it that bad. I think the criticism, as as with a lot of things that you you see online um, and in the the, the wrestling community, I guess with, with certain people, it's it's one extreme or the other, isn't it? It's either absolutely fantastic or it's absolutely dog dirt. There's no middle ground, and I I think that's not there's there's so many shades of grey in between black and white. It's not. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's dreadful. I don't think it was brilliant, but there was a lot there to enjoy, as you said, Max. Um, I actually was going to start something slightly different when you say about the stars of the invasion angle. I, I sort of looked at that as the most important players in the invasion angle, and why it yeah, ended however up. However, you want talking it. Why it ended up the way it did, and I'm actually uh, was actually going to pump with my first choice being AOL Time Warner, being hugely yeah. important in that invasion angle because those contracts did prevent so many names coming over as, as good enjoyment as we had in the angle itself. Um, I've got, I've got a little list here. Goldberg, Sting, Hogan, Hall, Nash, Flair, Mysterio, Scott Steiner. If you could just pick three or four of those, it would have been potentially more of what people wanted as opposed to what we got, Mm -hmm. regardless of how we viewed it when it arrived. I, I think the fact that AOL time Warner had these contracts had such an influence on the invasion angle without even really being a part of the invasion angle, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a, a yeah. very, um, it's a, it's a totally different tack to the way I, I went and approached my picks, but yeah, you absolutely make a hell of a lot of sense. Uh, and I, I always uh, think that the invasion angle gets a lot of grief, but one thing that's kind of always been overlooked and it's something that's really always stuck with me is that, this was happening whilst the WWE were putting on their biggest show ever, and it, it ended up being one of the most popular shows that they've ever done in WrestleMania 7. And at the same time, Vince was still going through the transaction of, of signing all these uh, these wrestlers, buying up this company, and still building a storyline to it. Uh, I, I think he should be applauded for pulling off what he oh, did. Yeah. And the XFL as well. Yeah, yeah so that was the same timeline as well, wasn't it? I mean, that's mm-hmm. all WrestleMania 17, WCW contracts and all that, and, and the XFL. I mean, that's a lot going on for anyone or any company, regardless of size. You know, it's, I just think that the influence of these bigger names, you know, you say that very much in quotes, air, air quotes, a bigger names of the likes of a Goldberg or a Sting, would they have made a big difference? I think they potentially could have. But then, you know, it's, it's all, you know... <laughs> Looking back, hindsight booking, we'll never really know, will we? But I just think that the influence that AOL Time Warner had with those contracts and those guys not coming on board because of those contracts completely changed the direction of what fans had wanted for so many years previous. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I look at it, um, the, the whole angle, I think, um, does a bit poorly in, in retrospect. I think at the time when it was happening, it was really exciting mm. for the whole of the year. It, okay massive the massive wcw stars weren't there but actually what was happening was exciting and there was a lot of twists and turns and it was fun and it's only when you look back and think okay the ending was a bit naff um it it was very it was very wwe centric as it was always going to be obviously and like you said the big stars didn't come across but also then i think it did free up the likes of goldberg to come in they didn't have to come in and lose to the wf they could come in Mm. and just be the big star oh yeah totally yeah coming yeah. in so I, I think i think it aided some people like goldberg yeah i mean as, as time went on I, I suppose rather than getting everyone in one hit you then got 
that Goldberg debut the night after um, was it WrestleMania nineteen eighteen uh, nineteen wasn't it? And then yeah. you know Steiner coming in in two thousand three at sorry two thousand two at Survivor Series, um, Flair coming in the night after the invasion angle actually finished wasn't it on that Monday Night Raw? All these yeah. additional pops going forward, all these additional moments going forward. I, I'm a huge fan of all of those debuts. They they stand out as real memorable moments to me. And I just think that if we're looking at the invasion angle um, individually, those names would have benefited that angle there as well as benefited later on, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, and yeah. The, the WWE would have kind of blown all the wad in one kind of yeah. uh, one yeah. kind of storyline rather than it, it lasts for three to four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So, Paul, after uh, Simon's took the very unique slant of uh, including the, the companies, uh, I believe it's my turn to, to go first. This sure time. is. Sure is. Now, the... the I actually went uh, with in my picks. I went in a, a, a I went in time order the people who who I thought got involved first. But the person who actually made it to the top of my list, uh, he wasn't actually involved at the very beginning. Uh, I've gone with Paul Heyman. So uh, the invasion uh, was was uh, in its infancy. So on the the ninth of July uh, two thousand one. Uh, Kane was uh, scheduled to face Mark Horseman Lance Storm in a handicap match, and Jericho came out offering to be his partner, meaning it would be then a, a tag team match. And we get to the end, and Jericho has the walls of Jericho applied on Lance Storm. Uh, but as uh, as Lance is about to tap, we get uh, Rob Van Dam and Tommy Dreamer uh, running through the audience, uh, getting into the ring and start beating up Kane and, and Jericho. So as it was uh, uh, in the invasion, the, the WWE locker room kind of emptied and uh, all these WWF wrestlers came flying out to uh, to come to the, the aid of their teammates. So we got the Dudleys, Taz, Just Incredible, Rhino and Raven um, all piling to the ring. And after a, a brief standoff, these guys all, all turned on the on the WWE and, and started attacking Jericho and Kane as well. So uh, Jim Ross is is uh, going mental on commentary. Uh, Paul Heyman is kind of uh, sticking up for for the WCW, and then he actually leaves the announcement table, uh, starts half fiving the the wrestlers, and he announced that uh, w, uh, ECW had actually been uh, brought into the invasion. Uh, he talks about how uh, he was tired of sitting next to that big fat pig, Jim Ross, uh, <laughs> and then uh, he starts uh, discussing the. Uh, the WCW had taken on the WWF and felt that everyone had forgotten about ECW and, and then he announced that this invasion would have been taken to the extreme. So then later in that show, we uh, see Shane and Vince discussing uh, how they should team up to uh, to defeat this rising uh, ECW threat. So uh, Shane uh, said that they should pick five of his WCW guys and five of Vince's WWF guys to take on the, the 10 ECW wrestlers but in a in a typical swerve Shane's uh, WCW guys joined with uh, ECW uh, sealing the deal with a hug beating up the WWF guys so Vince comes down and on, on the ramp he's uh, demanding an explanation so that's when Shane claims responsibility for, for what had just happened and the ECW and WCW were, were joining forces to 
to form an alliance. Uh, and then they introduced the new owner of ECW, the billion dollar princess, Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> so under Stephanie, Paul was kind of uh, relegated to being that the mouthpiece and, and the general manager. And his job was kind of to entice the uh the, the the lacks of the old ECW guard to to join the company like uh, Spark Dudley and, and Perry Saturn, but he also was uh, the guy who, who gave those kind of a uh, battle cries, those uh, really heartfelt speeches to to really pep up his uh, his team. So after we got to the uh, invasion pay per view and uh, Steve Austin uh, joined the alliance, this uh, Heyman continued to be this uh, this cheerleader, and then we get to the November the fifteenth episode of SmackDown. And we're in the build-up to uh, the the blow-off the Survivor Series match, and this is where uh, Paul Heyman has his coup de grace. It's just absolutely brilliant. Uh, one of his best promos, one of the most passionate, heartfelt promos uh, from someone who is an absolute master on the microphone. So um, he's hyping up the the match for Survivor Series and talking about the stakes on on both sides and what will happen to the WF when. Uh, when ECW and WCW win. Uh, and then he starts really ripping into Vince, calls him uh, calls him out for losing his mind, being out of touch, trying to run a football league. Uh, this this kind of prompts Vince to, to come down to the, the ring. And this is where Heyman turns that emotional dial up to, to 11. He explains to Vince why the invasion happened. Uh, told him that he hated his guts, his children hates his guts. He called Vince a disgusting son of a bitch. Uh, then he started to go on like a, a tour of Vince's history, of how he took Hogan's blood and built Titan Towers, how he stole Bret Hart's dream and bought himself an airplane with WF all over it, uh, how he stole Shawn Michaels' smile, uh, took the company public and made himself a billionaire how he his father went to all the other promoters and swore he'd never compete with him and that his son would never compete with him. And as soon as his father died, he competed. And with his ruthless, take-no-prisoners attitude, he drove everybody else out of business. He stole people's ideas and he made himself a billion dollars. And whose ideas did he steal the most? He stole Paul's. Uh, and Paul said, I don't care about Jim Crockett. I care what you did to my family. Because whilst Don the Clown was running around with green hair, Stone Cold was drinking his first beer in ECW. Uh, this promo culminated when uh, Heyman starts uh, slating Taz, uh, saying that this guy used to be a killer, used to be a wrestler, and now is just a fat idiot commentator. And you could see Taz really getting wound up. Taz enters the ring, starts choking out Paul Heyman. So that, that leads to Survivor Series, and obviously we all know what happened there. WWF won. Uh, Paul Heyman uh, would would end up being fired after the uh, the Survivor Series match, and, and the alliance was crushed. But yeah, my first uh, star of the alliance, I went with with uh, Paul E. Dangerously, Mr. Paul Heyman. Decent pick. I, I mean, that promo was sensational. Just, um, just yeah, brutal kind of honesty and and a bit uncomfortable to watch as well which is uh which which made it really cool um but i'm gonna i'm gonna veto oh get to f- 
Oh, see, Heyman was on my list, so I'm really interested now in what you're going to come out with. Okay. <laughs> I, I think someone else from ECW made a much bigger name for themselves in the invasion, and that was Rob Van Dam. Now, Rob... <sighs> Rob Van Dam, you, you, you said it there, he, he originally came in, jumped in the barrier um, with uh, with uh, um, Tommy Dreamer um, to kind of crash the crash the invasion party. And he was originally signed on, on a short-term contract. Mm-hmm. So um, one can only assume that he was going to be brought in for the invasion alone, um, a part of it, and kind of play ECW's part. And, uh, and that would be that. But what he did over... Those um, those few months, the way he got over with the WWF crowd, um, just just how exciting he was to watch. His matches with Jeff Hardy were incredible, um, and he ended he ended up being one of only two invasion one of only two invaders to be on the final invasion team at Survivor Series. Yeah, I can't imagine that was in his plans when he first jumped that barrier. Um, I think. It, it, it was just an incredible way to just come in and and make yourself. Um, I obviously had the cult following um, from ECW fans. I'd never watched ECW. I'd never heard of him. Um, so I was one of the people he won over in that uh, in that short period. And he just he, he just came in, and I think people were blown away by his style. He looked like a top star straight away. He was he was clearly the star of the ECW. It part of the invasion. Um, I think his 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 offense was something WWE had never seen before. When you think of the uh, the Van Daminator and the Van Terminator, we'd never seen that in WWF. That 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 kind of <laughs> level of violence didn't exist. Um, and even stuff like his style, we're different. We're different kind of singlet every single show. Stuff like that didn't happen back then. Um, and all of it just added up to to make him more and more popular. He scored some really high-profile victories over the course of the invasion. Um, he got himself into a, a pay-per-view main event world title match against Stone Cold and Kurt Angle. And like I said, he um, in, in that short space of time, he went from and also ran to being on that final 5v5 team. And from there, once the invasion was over, he, you know, he got on have a really successful career winning winning a WWE championship, winning, I think, four Intercontinental championships. So so in in terms of someone who came in and exceeded, I think, what even Vince thought he was going to get out of it, Rob Van Dam, is, uh, um, I, I've, makes him one of the stars of the invasion for me. That's bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> After I went, that took me ages to write, Paul. And you just shit on it straight away. I'm not happy at that. <laughs> That's one of the reasons I love this when I've listened to the show before and so on. We've had yourself, Mags, give this long, detailed explanation as to why Paul Heyman was fantastic. I, I was, I was tearing up reading and, it. And I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like I said, Heyman's on Heyman's on my list as well for a lot of the reasons you put forward. But yours was far more detailed description and, and a timeline of events and absolutely superb. It brought back so many memories. And after that long descriptive narrative about how great Heyman was we just get nope and then, <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then Paul puts forward his 
his veto, uh, uh, Rob Van Dam puts forward his, his long uh, description as to why Van Dam, and I'm thinking, oh, Van Dam, I don't understand that. But at the end of it, he's kind of won me over. I think Van Dam's a great choice. We just get, that's bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's good at that. He is. I mean, right at the beginning of this show, it was it was like it was innocent. Mister Tollier was very very innocent, and and now he's just become this devious underhanded vetoer. I don't know if I don't know this person anymore. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> I, I, I thought ECW were kind of a minimal part of that invasion. I think only only one ECW guy can go up there, and, that, and for me, that's Rob Van Dam. He's also I didn't mention it there. He was he's also I'm pretty sure he was the first invader to win a WWF title as well. When he won the hardcore title. Yeah. 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 What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. I don't believe he was uh, the only one. From no, not the first. No, first. I mean, it was, I don't believe he was the only like, big name from ECW who, who uh, was involved, but uh, I can't do anything about it. You vetoed, uh, really upset me there. So, Simon, make me, make me smile uh, with your second pick. <laughs> My second pick? What, you, you wanted me to put Paul Heyman forward as well? In fact, you know that that would be glorious because that would be shitting right until his until his veto. <laughs> well, Heyman was my second choice, yes, um, and I think I'm going to have to to stick with that. A lot of the reasons you explained yourself, um, so many memorable moments, um, a mouthpiece for certain guys who potentially in the alliance needed it. You had a lot of guys there who. Simply because of the nature of the of the players in the in the alliance in the ECW WCW alliance team may not have been in high profile spots before, so you had the mouthpiece of well Shane and Steph obviously, but Heyman was very very vocal putting these guys over. His work on commentary was absolutely incredible. Um, WrestleMania 17, he was fantastic on commentary. So it's just before the invasion started, but even then he's talking about the WCW guys who are up in the skybox. Um, the, the the commentary on the uh, Survivor Series event and the main event and his argument back and forth with Jim Ross. I'm a huge Jim Ross fan. To me, Jim Ross, I've grown up with Jim Ross from the days of watching WCW when I, was, when I was very little, right through the WWF and so on. Even now with AEW and my kids, sat there with my, my youngest, who's only 10, still hearing Jim Ross. But hear him that fired up and arguing with Heyman purely because how good Heyman was at uh, winding him up and getting that reaction out of him, I think it's a great testament to how, again, I'm a huge Jim Ross fan, but a, a great testament to how great Heyman was at getting that reaction and uh, and his performances on commentary. So I've got to go with Heyman myself because I just think the guy was fun. And that promo you mentioned as well, Max, just absolute gold. I watched it back not long ago and it's just absolutely superb. And to be honest, he says a lot of the things that I think a lot of casual fans, well, not casual fans, a lot of you know maybe more hardcore fans were actually thinking themselves. Yeah, and and you can tell in the promo that there is an air of truth to it. I mean, I know obviously 
99.99% of wrestling is a work, uh, but you can tell there's just those little grains of truth about uh, about uh, Vince kind of taking ACW ideas and, and making money off them, and, and yet uh, Paul struggled to pay pay his his wrestlers and yeah. and stuff like that. So you can say there was a there was there had to be some real resentment there. Uh, yeah, definitely. So, his yeah, his um, performance as well on the. I mean, the invasion obviously ended with the Survivor Series 2001 mm-hmm. um, pay-per-view, uh, which, quick little plug, we're actually covering on the SJP Wrestling Podcast very, very soon to coincide with this year's Survivor Series, so look out for that. But um, the Raw after that night, the Monday Night Raw after the Survivor Series, Heyman's performance there, even though it was not on the screen for long, is also superb. When they bring back Jerry the King Lawler to go into commentary... Um, Vince McMahon gives him a dressing down, tells him he's fired and so on. His his facial reactions, the emotions he portrays in the ring there. Again, the guy is so... He's just, we see it now with Heyman. Uh, sorry, you see it now with Reigns. You see it now with, when he was working with Lesnar. The guy is just absolute gold, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yes. it's it's a perfect pick, and it's quite rightly goes on your Mount Rushmore, Simon. Quite rightly, you, you would say it was a perfect pick. Of course, you would. It was a great pick. It was a great pick. <laughs> Paul, what what pick am I vetoing out of sheer spite? Oh, you can't you can't veto this one, surely. It's, you um, couldn't veto Paul Ehrman, but you did. So let's uh, <laughs> let's roll with the punches. I'm gonna go for Booker T. Oh, you motherfucker. He's one of mine as well. <laughs> He's on my list too. <laughs> I think I think he was probably one of, if if again, the, on, the only WCW star to come in and just look immediately, look like a star, look 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 a million dollars. When he came in at, at King of the Ring, crashed that Austin-Jericho-Benoit match, triple threat match, and uh, and attacked Austin, he just, he, he just looked great. And I think he came into it with probably with the most to lose because he was the WCW champion at the, at the time of closure. So um, there was a lot of pressure on his shoulders as kind of the marquee star who did have his contract um, taken over. And yeah, he kind of, he had, he had a tricky start. I mean, he had a, he had a tricky, tricky run through it all. Cause I don't think he won a pay-per-view match. I think he was, he was essentially a jobber to, to WWF stars for, for the, whole, the whole thing, but still he always, he always seemed like a threat against against the Rock, against the Undertaker. He always felt he could have won, um, and, and he and he held his own there and and kind of made his name in WWF. He, he survived that awful WCW takeover atrocity that happened at the end of <laughs> the oh, end of one of the roars that the crowd just universally shat on. Um, again, that could have dented his confidence. It could have dented Vince's confidence in him, and that could have been the end of Booker T. But he didn't. He carried on. He bounced. He bounced back. He was, you know, he was over with the crowd. Um, I think at SummerSlam uh, when he took on The Rock, defended his WCW Championship. I think that was the only dream match we got of the whole Invasion angle. If you, if I don't, I don't think any other kind of dream match other than the WF first WCW in its, in its kind of, uh, you know, in the idea of it. It was a dream match, I guess, but I think that the only one-on-one dream match that happened was Booker T and The Rock, and and they made history as well. It's the first and only time two black wrestlers have headlined uh, a WWF pay-per-view. Um, which is crazy. That's not happened since, but um, 
but wow, it happened there. That's like nearly 20 years ago. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's but WWF didn't make a big deal of it at the time. Like now, they, they you see it with the women, they make a massive deal of any bit of history they can make. Well, now you wouldn't be able to get away from it. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. But it'd, it'd hashtags everywhere. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. then they were both there on merit. It was a massive dream match, Booker T versus The Rock, and it was a great match as well. Um, and I think, like I said, he was he was one of the only invaders who came in to look like a star. I think he's one of the only only ones of the original invaders to go on and have a a, a really successful career in WWE after that. And we saw after the after the after the invasion was over, he kind of played a massive part straight away in in crowning Chris Jericho the undisputed champion. So he was straight in uh, in there. A, massive feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin and then uh, went on to, uh, to to perform one of the all-time great comedy wrestling skits, whatever you want to call it, in the supermarket brawl, which is still probably one of my most watched WWF yeah. videos on YouTube. I get it up every every few months, I'm sure. <laughs> so Booker T for me, he came in, looked like a star. He acted like a star and he, and he was WCW's star throughout. Yeah, I I saw one of to him, but he's he's one of my picks, and yeah, he's you're absolutely right. He he was um was the biggest star that that came in, obviously being a multi-time world champion in WCW, and arguably he had a better career or he had a more successful career in WWE than he than he had in WCW. So yeah, I can't I can't take out the five-time 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 WCW champion. So. Yeah, you survived this pick. I'm gonna uh, make it hard for you. I'm gonna make it hard for you, Davido. <laughs> and you've done it. I I don't know. You had the 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 brass neck to veto Paul Heyman and then then come with Book T for a pick. It's just <laughs> shocking, <laughs> shocking. So I, I've um, gone for the two that made it to the end. They were the two the two invaders who were on on that uh, WWC WCW side at the end at Survivor Series. Great picks. Um, Simon, let's go to you, sir, for your third pick. Yeah, sure. Um, kind of ties in with Booker T a little bit there. Some of the points you've made. He was on the Survivor Series team at the end, but not one of the originals. He was the other side of that supermarket brawl. Um, and that's uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin is my next pick. I think that he was. T- to me, during this time, there was a lot of backstage skits, a lot of interviews, a lot of promos, a lot of. Um, people being on screen together. You mentioned Booker T, how much of a star he became. He was associated so strongly with Shane McMahon as well. It just, just the amount of screen time to certain individuals, I think, is, is very relevant as to what we viewed as important in that era. And Steve Austin was all over every program all the time, and rightfully so. He was the number one guy in the business. Um, again, we come back to the stars not. The, the big big stars cannot coming over with the rest of the WCW contingent in the invasion. They needed star power to make it more of a threat. Austin was one of those that they decided to lump in with that. I'm not 100% sure I agree with that decision, but that's what we got. And Austin, I think, as talented as the guy is, obviously, he did a great job working as a heel in that scenario. Um, he went through a bit of a paranoid stage. Um, there's a paper. I can't remember which paper it was. It might be an Unforgiven, where the the poster is three images of his head, and he's going through quite a sketchy, yeah. paranoid time. He started wearing white knee braces for some reason. That sticks out in my mind. Yeah, that was a um, great poster. And and then the the um the stage 
the yes. screen on the stage had was yep. like a like a hot um, what do you call it like a hologram of those faces yeah. changing is brilliant yeah exactly and um he he had this sort of nervy paranoid but yet still dangerous edge to him whilst effectively everyone was looking to him for leadership because he was this big star off screen but also storyline wise as well um the fact that shane and stephanie viewed him as their their absolute diamond in their company despite the fact he was very much wwf or wwe for a huge period of time and again then we come back to the big make or break for me when it comes to talking about actual wrestlers and that's the the in-ring content and Whereas, okay, he may have slowed down a touch by 2001. He'd had his neck problems. He'd had knee problems, like both knees, apparently. He may have lost a step here and there. He was still one of the best around to the intensity he brought, especially with his brawling style with certain aspects. Um, I, I think the matches he had with Kurt Angle, where he dropped the belt to him in Angle's hometown and then won it back on, I think it was an episode of Raw a few weeks later, potentially, was superb. His role in the the initial invasion pay-per-view uh, was hugely important in setting the scene and then his role will he turn is he jumping back to the wwf at the survivor series pay-per-view kind of bookended the whole storyline and if you're talking about austin going in and you're talking about austin coming out to me he's he's obviously been a hugely important player in that whole theme yeah i can't disagree with with anything you said and and i remember vividly back then absolutely hating this version of Steve Austin because Steve mm. Austin was was my guy and, and him like switching over to the the enemy of uh, the alliance yeah I, I couldn't stand him and and he drew the 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 reaction from me that he wanted uh, yeah. so yeah he 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 worked that that kind of uh, character out perfectly so yeah it's a great pick yeah he definitely went on a, on on a journey during those uh Invasion months. It, it, it was great to watch. Didn't he? Was it during the invasion he um, he whipped someone in the ring? Or was that another time? Oh, um, it was just after the invasion that he was he whipping Vince McMahon when McMahon was doing the Kiss My Ass Club. I'm not um, sure. I got vague uh, memories of him whipping like, a WCW guy um, because they weren't up to scratch. Oh yes, no, that does that does sound right. I can't remember who that was. Was You're it, right. Was it not? Oh. Was it not? Was it not Canyon? Might have been. Might have been. I I, I remember him having like a uh, a set two with uh, Chris Canyon when uh, Canyon uh, claimed to be the invasion MVP, uh, and then uh, Austin uh, really took offence to that. Um, so it it could have been that, uh, yeah. but I, I do remember the the whipping. I just can't. Yeah, that does ring a bell. Can't hundred percent say who it was, but yeah. I just remember being it really uncomfortable to watch, but again, in all, in all the right ways, it was, it was really actually quite an emotive bit. And I, I think I remember JR's commentary. He was just so disappointed in what Austin mm. had become. Um, yeah, I need to go find that and uh, rewatch it and see if see, see if it, it lives up to my my made up memory of it. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to have to go look for it as well now because that does ring a bell, but I can't yeah. quite place where from. I can remember him. I believe it was Austin being involved in the whipping of McMahon with the Kiss My Ass Club and so on. I might be wrong it's with that Taz. as well. But... Whips Taz. Whips Taz. Taz, was it? Ah, okay. Yeah, the uh, it was during the invasion angle. He said uh, they 
it was bad enough what they did to Taz. This is off a, a fan board, but it says it's bad enough that he whipped Taz, but they also made Raven into a, a coward in the in the run-up. So, yeah, it's Taz. That'll be a, a fun to go and watch back, especially with how Taz has become kind of sour against the WWF now. Mm. He probably deserves the whipping <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> no, but it's a, it's a, a great pick, Simon, and uh, it's, it actually leads really well into my second pick because... Uh, Whilst we had this invasion angle, obviously, and that was the main story, uh, Steve had his own little uh, his own little storyline going on as well, uh, and it's with uh, with my second pick. So, uh, following his uh, debut uh, year, record breaking debut year, uh, Kurt Angle went into this uh, into this invasion storyline, having just lost his uh, first WF title to The Rock at No Way Out, uh, and then he had the uh, the, the submission match uh, at WrestleMania and, and then at Judgment Day. But as we get into the beginning of the invasion angle, uh, Kurt started to turn faces and he uh, teamed up with Steve Austin to to beat off these uh, the, these invaders from WCW and ECW. He'd be part of the, the group that beat up Booker T and uh, Buff Badwell during their match uh, before um, uh, the, the pay-per-view and then at Invasion. He and Austin uh, captained the team of five, where uh, uh, they went up against five handpicked members of the alliance. Uh, now, obviously, we all know that uh, the the alliance won when when Austin turned his back on WWF and and joined ECW and WCW. Uh, and at the close of that match, uh, Austin nails uh, Angle with a Stone Cold Stunner, which meant he got pinned by Booker T. So then, on the next night on Raw. Uh, Austin said one of the reasons that he defected to uh, to the allowance was because he felt that Vince was grooming Kurt Angle to to take Austin's spot uh, as the, the the face of the company and as the WF champion. Uh, so then we get to the August twentieth episode of Raw when uh, Kurt interrupted Austin appreciation that uh, when uh, the alliance was celebrating uh, Austin being a part of their group. And he uh, he made a little call back to uh, a certain uh, stunt that Austin pulled in uh, March 1999 when he uh, sought the alliance in milk from a from a milk truck. Uh, milk truck. Uh, Kurt then challenged Booker T for a WCW uh, heavyweight title match on the the 26th of July of SmackDown, which uh, which Booker T accepted. Uh, and then this kind of gave the the WF some momentum when. Uh, when uh, Kurt Angle won that title uh, by making uh, Booker T the ankle lock, which meant that they took that WCW title away from the Alliance. Uh, it was a pretty short-lived title because uh, Booker won it back uh, four days later on Raw. Uh, then we'd get Angle taking on Austin at, at SummerSlam for the, the WF title. Uh, but even though he, he won the match, he failed to take the belt because he won by disqualification. Uh, the feud with uh, Austin continued pretty much all the way through the the, the rest of the Alliance storyline. Uh, we got a point where Steve stole Kurt Angle's uh, gold medals, tied him to a cinder block, and threw him in the river. <laughs> <laughs> but Kurt Kurt would get his revenge uh, pretty much soon after when uh, he kidnapped Austin, took him to that very same river, blindfolded him. And said if he didn't uh, if he didn't give uh, Kurt a title shot, he was going to throw him into the water. 
So Austin, who then uh, obviously, as Sam mentioned, was playing a very paranoid kind of cowardly uh, character. He was uh, was crying, was in fear for his life. He, uh, he agreed to have the, that, that title match at Unforgiven. Uh, but, but Kurt threw him in the water anyway. Uh, but luckily for Steve Austin, it was only into a, a kid's blow-up paddling pool. <laughs> so we get to Unforgiven, uh, and as you said, the the, the kind of uh, the 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 whole theme of the show was was about Stone Cold's paranoia, and it would uh, it would lead to his undoing, meaning that uh, Angle would take that title from Austin, and meant that uh, the the WF had both the big titles in their in their grasp. Uh, the, the the WF title and the WCW world title. Again, he wouldn't have that title for very long, and he lost it back to Austin. Uh, but he got a little bit of a run with the WCW US title. Uh, but after that, he defected. He joined Steve Austin uh, in the alliance, uh, and during a, a WrestleMania uh, 17 rematch between Shane McMahon and Vince. He, uh, he came out to uh, look like he was going to help Vince, but instead he, uh, he hit the, the members of the, the team WF with a steel chair and said that he wanted to defect because he wanted to be on the winning side uh, with other winners, just like Stone Cold Steve Austin. So this leads us to the Survivor Series match, and Kurt Angle was eliminated pretty early on when he, uh, when he tapped out to uh, the sharpshooter applied by The Rock. Uh, but that wasn't the end of his uh, of his impact in that match because he uh, he would run down as the 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 match reached its its apex, and he would uh, he would come back to the WF fold when he uh, struck Austin with the title belt, uh, helping the Rock uh, win the title, win the match, and meant that the WF uh, was victorious. They'd beaten off the uh, the the Alliance. And uh, Kurt Angle proclaimed himself as uh, the the man that uh, had saved the WWF. So, yeah, my second pick is uh, the Olympic hero Kurt Angle. Great choice. He's one of my one of my short list. I'd forgotten. I I'd completely forgotten about the milk truck. Really? Wow. And yeah. I've completely forgotten that it happened during the invasion. Yeah. My only thing about Kurt Angle is I the the kind of the the, the flip flopping at the end. Um, I wasn't too keen on, but um, but yeah, he was he was one of the undoubted stars of the invasion, without doubt. Yeah, I, I felt that um, if anyone in the WF kind of grew out of this angle, I thought it was Kurt Angle from that. I mean, obviously, it was it was well on the path to being a, a big star with uh, being a a former WF champion, but he really took this storyline and, and, and kind of really grew with it and came out of the other side a, a much bigger star than he went in, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, good choice. I wouldn't have vetoed that. Oh, but but Paul Heyman got to go. Yeah, <laughs> for Rob Van Dam. <laughs> Simon, let's round your Mount Rushmore off, sir. Okay, for my last pick, it's basically between one or two. And neither are actual in-ring performers, I guess. Um, uh, it was a straight choice for me between Vince McMahon or Shane McMahon. I've decided to go with Shane because he wrestled in the main event in Survivor Series at the end. And I think he kind of kick-started the whole storyline when, it, you know, the name on the contract says McMahon, you know, on the dual broadcast between raw and nitro 
Um, he came in as the owner of WCW. He was always around Booker T, who was his WCW champion, um, in the main events against The Rock. And then he, I believe he wrestled in a handicap match against The Rock with Booker T. Yeah. Um, and again, it comes down to screen time and it comes down to involvement because we are looking at an angle. We are looking at a story. We are looking at how it played out in front of us. And whereas in-ring work for me is the most important personally when it comes to wrestling, when we're looking at a, a, a story arc, I think his involvement as a character in that story is, is huge. So for me, my final pick, and only just edging out his dad because he was more involved in the actual wrestling side, I go with Shane McMahon. It's a, an absolutely stellar pick. I remember watching that uh, that simulcast of uh, of Raw and Nitro, and then seeing Shane turn up on Nitro. It was like it it blew the wrestling world apart. It was just such a, a massive, massive thing. And I think Shane's character work all the way throughout this this whole invasion angle. It, it made it more than it it, it actually could have been. So yeah, I, I agree with that pick. It's a, a great, great pick. Yeah, definitely. And I think if you think of, if you think of the invasion, you think of that moment first. I think that that simulcast yeah. with Shane with the contract that, that that that's the first image that comes into my head. Yep. And um, so, you said when he was with Booker T. I, I watched that. I watched that SummerSlam match yesterday. The Booker T versus The Rock, where Shane was Shane was seconding Booker T. Yeah. And the uh, the clothesline from Hell he takes from Bradshaw is just. Amazing, classic Shane McMahon just putting his body on the line. Ultimate Vince love him. He's literally <laughs> killed himself for the last thirty years to make Vince love him, and he and he still prefers Triple H over him. God, look at me. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> look what I'll do. Kill myself here. Let uh, me but... fall off this big screen. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, son. I was in gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's a, it's a it's a great final picker. Now, Paul, what am I actually going to veto? I'm going to make it really hard for you now. Go on. I'm going. I'm I'm going for your favourite, Chris Jericho. Oh, oh right. Word. Reason I'm going for Jericho is uh, sim- similar to your your reason for Kurt Angle, actually. Um, just to twist that. <laughs> twist that screw a bit further um, in how he the difference between how he went into the invasion angle and how he came out I think when he went into the invasion in, invasion storyline um, albeit he had one kind of that that um, unofficial title against Triple H on Raw that that one time that the unofficial world title that, that Earl, Earl Hebner um was forced to reverse and at the King of the Ring where Booker T invaded, he was in the world title match there. But I think at that point, Jericho was still very much seen as like an intercontinental title level talent. And by the end of invasion, you know, almost immediately after it ended, he'd become the first ever undisputed world champion. Um, So, and I think that's testament to kind of how big a part he played in the invasion, but it was quite an understated part. Um, we had, you know, you had people flip flopping around. You had Kurt Angle, Austin flipping from side to side. Jericho was always the one that that it was always a question mark over for the, for that whole period. He had a question mark over his head, and you didn't know where he was going to turn. He was the one who had the most reason to join WCW because he 
made it, he'd made his name there. All his friends were in WCW. He had this weird kind of sexual chemistry with Stephanie McMahon, where they've kind of he bullied her, but they were flirting kind of thing. Uh, you could you could easily see him joining forces with Stephanie McMahon, and of course he hated The Rock. Um, and and as as the invasion storyline went along, it it was that 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 drive that hatred for the rock and the jealousy of the rock that that just built and built and built until ultimately at survivor series he was he he uh he tried to cost wf right at the last after being eliminated he uh he attacked the rock and uh, and, uh, and attempted to i don't even think he wanted wcw to win i think he just didn't want the rock to win <laughs> Um, and that obviously set in stone. That set that set in motion uh, that his place at the at the um, ven- uh, sorry, I've forgotten the name of the pay per view. Vengeance. Yeah, when, right, yeah, when he won the title. Yep. Obviously set set in set in place his place in that in in that tournament. Probably aligned him with Booker T, who came in and and helped him win the title at Vengeance. Um, he he won the WCW championship during the invasion storyline, so he, he actually beat The Rock for the WCW championship. Um, while again at, at that time they were both technically allies in 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 WWF. Um, so I thought, yeah, I f- for his journey from kind of intercontinental standard to to world title standard, for like I said, the the kind of nuanced storyline he had running through the whole thing. Will he will he turn? Won't he turn? I think that was really fun to watch i was a big jericho fan at the time as i know obviously you were and it was great to see him kind of come out of it and and become the undisputed champion it's a great pick uh it was during this time when he had uh the one of the the funniest promos uh with him and the rock uh giving uh booker rano shane and steph the grief in the ring when uh when we had a school time with Booker, when he uh, said, uh, what's two plus two, Booker? Uh, Thomas Jefferson, soccer. Uh, all, <laughs> all, all, all that promo. Uh, yeah, and, and we all know how much uh, I, I love Chris Jericho. But he's made some idiotic moves recently. Uh, That's irrelevant. Giving money to Donald Trump, saying he's not political on Twitter when he's clearly very political, infecting a quarter of a million people at uh, Sturgis. So, yeah, I'm going to have to veto that pick, Paul, just because of what's happened in 2020. Yeah, just because I vetoed Paul Heyman. Tell the truth. That is because you fucking vetoed <laughs> Paul E. Dangerously. Absolutely is. And where you put forward somebody who who, whilst I, uh, I'm not happy with the veto, I can see the point, you're not going to like my veto. Um, so if I could just be serious for a minute. Uh, <laughs> so when the WWF purchased uh, WCW, which was in the run-up to WrestleMania, the idea was actually meant to be that WCW was its own entity, that uh, it was going to be its own kind of a... Uh, standalone show, but uh, unfortunately, the uh, WF weren't able to secure that TV deal. Uh, and then, with a, a huge number of those uh, wrestlers' contracts uh, uh, being bought out, the uh, WF had to 
uh, make use of the talent. So this is what the whole uh, idea behind this invasion angle was, that uh, WWE used the talent that they'd suddenly acquired. So we uh, we actually started the invasion angle with uh, with Mapic, uh, and it was uh, Lance Storm. He interrupted a match between uh, Perry Saturn and Steve Blackman on the 28th of May. He uh, super kicked uh, Perry, which meant that Steve Blackman uh, could win the match, and he started off the 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 whole uh, running through the audience that uh, WCW and uh, ECW came known for. And he was actually the the he was in the second ever interpromotional match uh, uh, of the Invasion storyline when he and Mark Orson faced Kane and Jericho on the the July the ninth episode of Raw that I mentioned earlier. At the Invasion pay per view, uh, Lance uh, Storm and Mark Orson lost to Edge and Christian, but then the day after on Raw, Lance picked up the the WWF Intercontinental title from uh, from Albert. Uh, a title that he would eventually lose to Edge a month later at SummerSlam. He'd then go and tag with the Hurricane and uh, feuded with the Hardy Boys over the, the dual WWF and WCW uh, tag team titles for the next few months. And then at that uh, infamous Unforgiven pay-per-view, uh, Storm and the Hurricane competed in a fatal four-way match for the, the those uh, WWF tag team titles, but uh, failed to win. Um and then they uh, they failed to win in the the match at No Mercy against the Hardy Boys uh, for the WCW titles. Uh, then we get to Rebellion when uh, Lance Storm and Justin Incredible took on Billy and Chuck. Uh, then we get to the the Survivor Series where he wasn't involved in the the main uh, match. He was actually involved in an immunity battle royal uh, where the winner was uh, immune from being fired for a full year. Um, he didn't win. It was actually won by test. Uh, uh, and then when the team Alliance uh, lost in the main event, Storm was kayfabe fired along with uh, the rest of his, uh, of his Alliance teammates. But he actually got his job back on the December 17th episode of Raw when he, uh, he defeated The Rock in a, in a match for his contract when a test helped him uh, pick up the victory. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Lance Storm to to veto to veto your pick, Paul. That's shocking. That's much worse than the veto I did. Good. Basically, you, you just went. You said I'm going to put Lance Storm in, and then you proceeded to tell us a number of ways in which he lost over the <laughs> over the next few months. But he came out a winner because he won a contract. He did. He did. And, and I'd like to correct myself when when I, I said. Uh, Booker T and The Rock was the only dream match to happen because obviously that that um, Lance Storm and Kidman versus Billy and Chuck or whatever it was it was obviously dream oh, match material. That's what people have been waiting for for years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. You vetoed Paul Herman. You reap what you saw. You show yourself up. As soon as you get vetoed, you show yourself up. You know that. Yeah, well, I'm I'm a I'm a very tester, short-tempered person, and yeah, I'm yeah. also. <laughs> <laughs> you bring it out to me, Paul. Unfortunately, yeah. you're um, like Chris Jericho at the end of the invasion. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Except I don't donate money to Donald Trump. No, I've got a, I've got a theory on that. I I I think he's being a heel. Well, clearly. 
No, I, I, I genuinely do. Chris Jericho is always, Jer- Chris Jericho was always like, um, like really invested in being a heel, like to the point of, like he'd never sell merchandise if he was a heel because yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't believe that should be a, a thing. I think him chucking a few hundred quid to Donald Trump and making it public is it doesn't cost him much at all, and and the wrestling crowd hate him. <laughs> I don't think because he wouldn't like being cheered in AEW. He's he, if he in in Jericho's mind, if he's a heel, he wants to be booed. And the only way to get the modern wrestling crowd to boo you really is to be an arsehole yeah, and get cancelled. You not see maybe the start of a face turn for him in AEW though. Yeah, potentially. I mean, if everyone's singing a theme tune like that, uh, he must be just thinking, oh, a few more quid merch, a few more quid record sales. Got MJF there who you can work with as well. I mean, Jericho is very, very clever in that anyone who's hot since AEW started, he's worked with. Mm-hmm. And now at the moment, everyone's going on about how great MJF is. All of a sudden, he's working with MJF. Are we going to see like a battle for who's going to be in charge of the inner circle, or perhaps the inner circle will turn on him and Jericho kick him out, saying you made us a laughing stock with dance routines and and whatnot? I, I don't know. This is just sort of off the top of my head, but it wouldn't surprise me if. He, he's their biggest star, isn't he? Let's be honest. He's their, he's their number one guy, regardless <laughs> of who currently has the belt. Would it work with a 50-year-old Chris Jericho as the babyface, almost their Hogan, I suppose, chasing a heel champion, an MJF or something like that? Or, I, I don't know. I'm just sort of, it's off the top of my head, but maybe this is the way he's going at the moment. But I see what you mean about being a heel and, and paying the money to Trump to get a reaction that way. He's, he's all invested, isn't he? He's, he's a very, very intelligent man. Yeah. And uh, I think the $3,000 that uh, or whatever he donated, that's, that isn't scratching the surface for him. So it would no, absolutely no. make sense. Uh, but what would it make even more sense if uh, AEW sacked off Chris Jericho and replaced him with Lance Storm? That would be absolutely <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Oh. Just like I see, I'm a trailblazer. I'm giving AW these these free ideas. Get rid of Chris Jericho and pick Landstorm. That's he's the money guy. Yeah. <laughs> I want it in a circle T-shirt now with Landstorm's face on the front. Yeah. <laughs> the Un-Americans again. Oh yeah, the Un-Americans. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I give actually I give credit where credit's due. I, I said um, Rob Van Dam was the first. Uh, invader to take a title, but Lance Storm was the first and probably only invader to take a like a proper title. Because a hardcore title ain't a proper title, is it? Like, oh, the Intercontinental's a big challenge deal. For it. Well, uh, challenge for a hardcore title and see if uh, see if it's a proper title. Who's the current hardcore champion? I take him on, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, this has been a, a a brilliant episode, even with uh technology trying to ruin it for us. Um, um. That's why I didn't make. Drives me mad. <laughs> well, uh, Simon, let us uh, let us know what kind of topic you would like for a, um, a Mount Rushmore in the future. What kind of a um, uh, topic would you like to hear someone uh, debate a Mount Rushmore with us on? Hey, well, oh, geez, that's a tricky one. Um, we could maybe sort of carry on that theme and look at a Mount Rushmore of uh, Lance Storm matches. Um, <laughs> oh, that I like that. <laughs> or potentially, how about a uh, a Mike Rushmore of babyface promos? Because everyone always rants on about the heels and so on, don't mm. they? And how intense they can be. How about babyface promos? I love that. Oh, that is a good one. 
That's going to be tricky. That's going to be a hard one. Yeah. Can't think of four landstorm matches. (laughs) (laughs) No, but um, Simon, you've been absolutely amazing. Uh, Let all uh, the Badlands listeners know where they can find you on social media, where they can find your, your amazing podcast. Yeah, no, excellent. Thank you very much for having me on. And thanks for uh, rearranging the time from yesterday because of my work commitments. I hugely appreciate that, boys. Um, You can find me on Twitter and at SJP Words, but um, you can find the show, the SJP Wrestling Podcast. Um, We've just started an Instagram, but if you contact me on there, please bear with me. I'm very dependent upon my daughter helping me with that. That's that's her her domain. we uh, I'm much more active on um, Facebook or Twitter, and again, you can just find us at SJP Wrestling Pod. Um, please track us down, check us a like, give us a listen, um, and hopefully you'll like what you hear. Yeah, I, I can't see any reason why you wouldn't, because it's uh, an amazing podcast. I've I've had the the honour of being on it more than once, and yeah, I'd, I'd happily go on it again and again because yeah, it's just a great time being involved, and it's a great listen. So yeah, everyone go and check it out. I really appreciate that, mate. Thank you. All right, oh. shall I give him the shall I give him the six commandments? Go for it, Paul. Yeah, yeah. So, so, nail it. I'll I'll nail it. Head over onto Twitter. Um, follow us. Follow, follow me and Magsy first at, at Dej Kirkby. I'm sure you follow him already. Uh, and, and me at Rain Counter. Um, hit us up. Let us know kind of what you, what were your favorite moments of the invasion? Who are your stars of the invasion? And and what are your memories of the invasion? Did you did you enjoy it? Or do you think it was anticlimactic? Um, let, let, let us know. Give us a follow and uh, we'll follow back. Then after that, head over to your podcast provider and uh, click on click the subscribe button on. Um, visionaries global media shooting the sports ish five nerds go and the cheer shop media group subscribe to those podcast networks uh give them five stars or give them whatever rating you want preferably five stars but it's up to you um and you'll get all sorts of cool podcasts uh with with uh, magsy's voice on my voice on um and I've just been thrown off because uh, Mel's just walked in through the door to to throw me off my outro. I was on a. She's, <laughs> was doing, on the, a... she's doing the landstorm running. Have you, pay... <laughs> Have you You paid her for that one. Um, where was I? And head over to thecheershot.com for all your hard hitting pro wrestling news and opinion. As always, stay safe and always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.